Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. First Kings 6, Solomon's massive temple is blah compared to the heavenly one that awaits us. King David wanted desperately to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God. But God told him that it was not his job. That task would fall on his son Solomon. See, David was a warrior king and Solomon was a king of peace and wisdom. Therefore, it was Solomon who got to build the magnificent structure that was to be semi a semi-permanent home. This temple, luxurious and marvelous that it was, would be destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. Wait, we're way not there yet. It was it was in the spring, say mid-spring, uh, circa 967 or 970, sometime around there, give or take a year or two, 480 years after the start of the Exodus. In the middle of the desert, God gave Moses the instructions on how to build the tabernacle. It was carefully specified and it was mobile. And you forget what that looked like. I have a picture of a replica of the tabernacle in the desert. Um, and also a link to that study in the book of Exodus. So um, here Solomon spares no expense. Check out the video at the bottom of my blog with a 3D tour of what Solomon's temple may have looked like. It is really cool. Well, let's dig in. First Kings 6, the temple. It was in mid-spring in the summer of, Z in the month of Zib, it's bringing the summer on them. Okay, it's late. <laughs> it was in mid-spring in the month of Zib, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide and 45 feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple. 
it, it projected outward 15 feet from the front of the temple. Solomon also made narrow recessed windows throughout the temple. He built a complex of rooms against the outer walls of the temple, all the way around the sides and the rear of the building. The complex was three stories high, the bottom floor being seven and a half feet wide, the second floor nine feet wide, and the top floor ten and a half feet wide. The rooms were connected to the walls of the temple by beams resting on ledges built out from the wall, so the beams were not inserted into the walls themselves. The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry, so there was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. The entrance to the bottom floor was on the south side of the temple. There were winding stairs going up to the second floor and another flight of stairs between the second and third floors. After completing the temple structure, Solomon put in a ceiling made of cedar beams and planks. As already stated, he built a complex of rooms along the sides of the buildings attached to the temple walls by cedar timbers. Each story of the complex was seven and a half feet high. Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon and, and heads up on this because it's really important in verse 12. Concerning this temple you are building, if you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all my commands, I will fulfill through you the promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people Israel. Now, that is an important passage. All God asks the Israelites is to obey. That's it. Simple instructions. Just like the ones given to Adam and Eve in the garden. They had it made and they blew it. That's all God asks of us today. Likewise, it seems like humans have really blown it. By ourselves, we could never be good enough to stand before God. And we are told in Proverbs 7, verse 12, Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Moving on, the temple's interior, verse 14. So Solomon fin finished building the temple. The entire inside from floor to ceiling was paneled with wood. He paneled the walls and ceilings with cedar, and he used planks of cypress for the floors. He partitioned off an inner sanctuary, the most holy place at the far end of the temple. It was 30 feet deep and was paneled with ceiling from floor to ceiling. The main room of the temple outside the most holy place was 60 feet long. Cedar paneling completely covered the stone walls throughout the temple, and the paneling was decorated with carvings of cords and open flowers. He prepared the inner sanctuary at the far end of the temple where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant would be placed. This inner sanctuary was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with solid gold. He also overlaid the altar made of cedar. Then Solomon overlaid the rest of the temple's interior with solid gold, and he made gold chains to protect the entrance to the most holy place. 
So he finished overlaying the entire temple with gold, including the altar that belonged to the most high place. He made two cherubim of wild olive wood, each 15 feet tall, and placed them in the inner sanctuary. The wingspan of each of the cherubim was 15 feet, each wing being seven and a half feet long. The two cherubim were identical in shape and size. Each was 15 feet tall. He placed them side by side in the inner sanctuary of the temple. Their outspread wings reached from wall to wall, while their inner wings touched at the center of the room. He overlaid the two cherubim with gold. He decorated all the walls of the inner sanctuary in the main room with carving, carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid the floor in both rooms with gold. For the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made double doors of wild olive wood with five-sided doorposts. These double doors were decorated with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. The doors, including the decorations of the cherubim and palm trees, were overlaid with gold. Then he made four-sided doorposts of wild olive wood for the entrance to the temple. There were two folding doors of cypress wood, and each door was hinged to fold back upon itself. These doors were decorated with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, all overlaid evenly with gold. The walls of the inner courtyard were built so that there was one layer of cedar beams between every three layers of finished stone. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in mid-spring, in the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. The entire building was completed in every detail by mid-autumn in the month of Bull, during the 11th year of his reign. So it took seven years to build the temple. Seven years, popular number in the Bible. The tabernacle and the temple are just copies. Though the tabernacle was mobile and temporary, the temple, both of them, ended up being temporary too. Even the third one that will be built after the rapture and during the great tribulation is temporary also. The permanent one is in heaven. Check out this comparison in Hebrews. We're in chapter 9, starting in verse 18. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant of God, covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. He's our advocate. 
and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once and for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is de destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Now in the book of Revelation, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what our heavenly temple will be like. You can click on over to my blog and check out um, the book of Revelation study that I did. Jesus came, died, ascended, and will be back. We can compare the tabernacle and the temple to Jesus's first and second appearances. His first visit to earth was humble, mobile. He walked all over. <laughs> Israel, and he went up to Syria too, and I think over to, the, to Jordan, um, and temporary. He was only here for three years. Well, well, uh, 30, well, 33 years. His ministry was three years, 33 years, more or less. Now, Isaiah 53, verse 2, describes him. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Now, his second coming will be glorious, and he will rule in a permanent temple in the New Jerusalem. You could also read the first chapter of Revelation to see what a glorious difference heaven makes. Now this, now, um, his second coming is not to be confused with the rapture. A lot of people confuse this. Right now, we born again believers are the temple of God here on earth, housing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We are here until God the Father decides it's time for Jesus to come and guess. He won't come all the way down to earth. We will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. Okay, you don't, can't imagine what that's like. Click on over to my blog and I've got articles on the rapture and the big question, will you be left behind? Worship. Now we can worship God anywhere we are because we are God's holy temporary temple. Because of the death of Jesus, the special sacrificial lamb, we have the Holy of Holies in our hearts. It's an extraordinary privilege to be the temple of God while we wait for him to come and get us. How do you worship God? Do you offer your best to God in worship? Do you make it a top priority or does it just feel like an obligation? Do you just go to church when it's convenient? Do you give him leftovers and scraps of your gifts and money? Jesus gave his life to give you eternal life. Doesn't he deserve your best? And he told us in Revelation 3.20, look, I stand at the door and knock. You hear my voice and open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He wants to be your friend. Yes, Jesus wants to be your friend. You have to let him in. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. 
you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can um, click out over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also, don't forget in the bottom of my blog, there's a video with Solomon's 3D temple, which is really cool. And I also put in a Newsboys video, Live with Abandon. We can worship with abandon. Yes. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.